Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda hernandez Caimes, and this is Ellas. Hello, we're finally back, and on this 21st episode, we're celebrating it with one of my favorite photographers. This amazing mujer is a queer photographer based in Mexico City, where she has captured so many talented artists, from Marquín Semoa to John Waters. She has also worked at Vibes Mexico, and her stunning photos have appeared on Playboy Mexico, Rolling Stone Mexico, Vogue World, Metal Magazine, and more. And every Friday night, you can see her at the nightlife of Mexico City in Discoteca, where she captures the LGBTTIQ nightlife. Her work doesn't stop there. She's also, she also makes you hungry with her delicious food photography. And she furthers this with her book, Weed Butler, a step-by-step guide to becoming a Canna Butler master. Please welcome Sandra Blow. Hi, Sandra. Hi. Thank you for being here on Yes. I'm so honored. As you know, I've always admired your work, your photos, and just your vision as a photographer and creative person. So thank you for being here. No, thank you for having. I am super excited to share with you and with the people that is listening my view and my stuff. So this is really exciting. Yay. Yay. So let's start. You know, I really love asking my guests to, you know, I, I make this space for them to share their stories and their journey and who they are as a, as a mujer, as a person. And first of all, I want to ask you, can you share with our listeners, how do you define yourself as Sandra? Um, I define myself as, well, first of all, um, a free person. I also consider myself um, queer. Um, and I, I think that's it. I like to think of myself as a person that likes to fight for my beliefs. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> and I feel like you fight those beliefs through your photos. You capture your friends, the LGBTQ community in Mexico City, and you're, you don't only talk the talk, but you also walk the walk through your photography. Yeah, um, I think a way for me to discover who I am is through the other people that surrounds me. So um, when I started my... When, when I got based in Mexico City, I started this project in which I just took my camera everywhere I went and I started taking pictures of the life I was living at the moment and I was discovering myself. Maybe itself, um, not my sexuality because I, I have, I knew for a while, but like I was trying to define it with with words or with a group of people who made me feel that I, I finally, like, um, got somewhere that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So I started to take pictures of, of all that was surrounding me, and this happened to be a lot of parties in the queer club underground 
uh, scene in the city that started growing a lot in those years. I am talking about maybe 2014, 2015, 16, you know. Mm -hmm. And this is when I started this this project with the underground pictures. So, before we go deeper into under, the underground scene in the queer community in Mexico City, can you share with us how did you discover your passion for photography and communicating yourself through photos? Like, how was that? Was that discovered in your childhood, in your early teen years? How was it like, you know, growing up in Atizapan de Zaragoza, as, as we know, and Estado de Mexico? How was it like? Yeah, well, uh, as you said, I, I grew up there. For the people that, that does not know what I am talking about, well, Mex Mexico City is a city per se, but then the surroundings that was supposed to be, like the suburbs, is called the Estado de Mexico, but then it became very violent and etc. over the years, and I don't see it as suburbs, I just see it as, I don't know, um, it's kind of far from the city, but not that much, but you're not in the city anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, I grew up there, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life when I finished high school, so I wanted to find uh, something that had to be with, with creativity, or, uh, is that the correct word? Yeah, something um, with... Being creative and yeah, with being creative and, and because I, I never felt like I like I was fitting mm -hmm. anywhere because the people also in Estado de Mexico are very sexist and they have very very low thought and thinkings, you know, like pensamientos, like they don't they don't think very deep and they are very very deep into sexism and stupid shit. So I was never feeling like I fit anywhere. And when I when I had fun, when I finally graduated from high school, I had to decide. Of course, my father wanted me to, to study something. My sister was already in college, so I, in a fair of universities or whatever, in my school, I found this this small, yeah, college that had the advertise, advertisement career. So I heard that there was a spot in, a, in the advertising agency that is called Creativo, um, where you just have to be creative, or mm -hmm. this is what I thought at the time. So I was like, yeah, sure, I will do that. And, I, and, and this school was very close to my high school, so I really never left the state of Mexico, and I stayed there. Um, when most of the people w was coming to schools in the city or in other states, but this is not very common in Mexico. Like in Mexico, you stay in your city, but you go to different schools. Mm -hmm. It's not like in the states that you move very, very far away if you like that college. This is not very common. But... Uh, I stayed there and I started the career and then at some point in some of the early semesters I had the, the subject of photography and I had to get a camera and I got a Sony Alpha 200, this was my first camera. Mm -hmm. uh, this has 10 years, this year was my 10th anniversary as a photographer because ever since that time I never stopped. Congratulations. So, yeah, uh, I was 19. I am 29 right now, uh, and I just took the class, and my teacher was the one who told me, you know what, I see something very special in you, and every class he used to give one small, like, um, prize to the best project, because every week we had a project, and every time I was winning it, and he was like, you're really good, you should, you should stop, and I just never stopped, and I finished school mostly because my dad, just to make him happy or proud or whatever, uh, because a lot of people 
has the belief that if, if you have a college degree, you're gonna get more jobs or more more money or whatever. But truth be told, I have never ever used my degree. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, and then yeah, I started just taking pictures in my free time. I never stopped. And then when I was still in college, in my last year. Uh, I really wanted to have like a job or something because I was really sick from school. I, I was really not fitting in again. And this this is a really tiny, teeny, tiny school that looks more like a high school than a college. You know, I really didn't have the experience of the big school where you have to walk through campus. No, this campus was like office, really. So I really wanted just to, to get out and see more stuff or whatever. So I was looking for a job. And I saw a Twitter application for, for a small job in a publishing house that is called Grupo Editorial Expansión in, here in Mexico. And this publishing house manage, manages magazines. And they have a very huge mag. Well, it's not theirs anymore, but at that time was um, they owned Chilango, that is a very big uh, magazine that talks about the city. They just sell it here in the city. It's called Chilango because Chilango means when you are born in the city, uh, Mexico City. And they also have Travel and Leisure and like social magazines and another travel magazines, Life and Style that is for men, blah, blah, blah. So I went for an interview and I was like, hey, hi, this is my city. And they never called me. And I was like, mm, bummer. And then some months later, I got a call, and they were like, hey, we have your, your resume here, so do you want to come for an interview? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I went, and I stayed for a, for a job that, that was like a, like a secretary, like managed the, the other photographer's agenda for making a guide that comes every year that is called Guía de Guías that talks about like the best things to do in the city and shit. Mm-hmm. So I was just doing that for a month, and then when I had to leave, I was like, "Oh, you know, I don't want to leave. This is so cool. Um, I feel good in here." And I got a job as a, a photography coordinator of the of all the gourmet area of the publishing house. So I was providing uh, services for the other magazines, for all the magazines. So I was kind of working for everyone. And that was awesome because then I started my career. This was one year before I graduated, so I was for one year working and studying. I was working in the city for the people that live here or know the city. I was working in Constituyentes, that is near Santa Fe, and I was living in Atizapán, so I was doing hell of a of right every day. And then when I graduated, I stayed there, and I, I was there for two years. And that's that. While you were in doing taking these gourmet photos, what were the lessons learned that you, you know, had? What were the challenges that you encountered? Because you were a young photographer, a young woman photographer that obviously was doing this work for all of these magazines and like it or not, I think every industry is um very controlled by men so you as a young person how were you able to you know make do your work um but also have your voice being heard your vision being heard and how was it like during that year of still going to school and 
having to overcome this? I, I think I, I, I don't know. I think, I don't know, because in fact, the person that got me the job and the person that got me to stay well, uh, is a man. And he's one of my mentors. I mm -hmm. consider him a lot because I always think that the only thing you need is for one person to believe in you or for the right person to believe mm -hmm. in you. And in this case, he believed in me. I don't know what he saw, but some, some time later when we were working together, we were very close and he told me like, you know, I had a lot of resumes for that work and I chose you because you have something special. You came and you smiled and you were so excited and, and you had these crazy pictures and you didn't give a fuck and you just came and was like, this is my pictures and we're like sexy cheeks or whatever because of course when I started taking pictures I was super into Swiss and girls and that's, as you can see, well, the people cannot see what you can. I have a lot of tattoos and I was in all this uh, stuff. So I was taking pictures of my friends when I, when I was living in Estado de Mexico mm -hmm. and I was still in school. So my portfolio was pretty much this, my friends. Oh. <laughs> um, and he believed in me. And this was hard for many reasons. One of the reasons is that, of course, I was younger because I haven't always been younger in school and stuff. I have been always the youngest of, of the class, so I graduated from college when I was 21. So when I started working in here, I was 20, 20 years old, and I was already the full coordinator. Like, I don't know if coordinator is the right word, but yeah, la coordinadora, from all the government area, that it was a very small team, but we were certainly providing services for all these magazines yeah. and doing the job of any, you know, like person in an office so I was young I was looking like I look that is in that time I had like blue hair or green hair or all the hair color I have it like this a lot and and mostly the people that work in in this and all the other for example advertising agencies and stuff are people that studied at these super expensive colleges in Mexico mm -hmm. City, like Ibero. So they, I don't know, we call we call them white chickens. So it was full of white chickens, basically, and I am not a white chicken, so whenever I'm with white chickens, white chickens are like, oh, what the fuck? I don't know, I think this, this society I live in, and Mexicans we live in, is very classist, and it's hard because all of them have, have money mm -hmm. ever since forever, you know, so for them it was very easy to say like, oh, let's go eat to Contramar, and everybody was like, oh, she, yeah, sure, and they were spending a lot of money, and I was like, no, guys, I cannot come, I am, because, of course, I was earning, like, a, I were earning as a student, because as a, technically oh. I, I get in when I was a student, so it was like a, like a pasante, like becaria. Yeah, so you're still earning, you were still earning an entrance salary, and from what I remember, an entrance salary was maybe to the 780 pesos maybe like 800 like I was I was earning like a little bit more but was not enough anyway I was like earning like 5,000 pesos a month like 2,500 2, every 15 days mm -hmm. that was not awful for being a student and that was okay for the first year but then for the second year I was not 
a student anymore and I was doing a lot of work so I really wanted to get a promotion or something and they didn't give it to me and this is when I left and I became a freelance um, and I was happy while, while I was there I learned a lot I think this was more my school than my mm -hmm. college because I was dealing with real life and and I couldn't fuck anything up because my it was not only my job If I did something wrong, I was doing wrong to all the people that was yes. working with me. So I really learned. I really learned how does the printing industry works, and it's crazy. It's amazing. Um, I when I was a kid, I I always saw movies where where people were working at magazines, and I thought that was awesome. And it's cool that I that I lived it. It was it was amazing, and I also learned a lot of things about pictures because I, they didn't allow me to take pictures at first. Of course, I had to earn it, mm -hmm. so it was like a school. I the, the first times I I could go to the restaurants on my own. I had to go to the desk of my boss and sit down with the computer, and he was looking at the pictures one by one and telling me this is wrong, this is good, this is wrong. so. The next time I had to go and not make that mistake again, and so on and on. And whenever I made mistakes, like really big mistakes, I had to to make it up. Like, for example, one time I clearly did some pictures not wanting to do them because I was being lazy. <laughs> And you could tell in the final results. So when my boss saw them, he was like, I can tell you, you... You didn't want to do this and you didn't do it okay. And this is this made with Weber. And I was like, shit. And, see, and he was like, so you now have to go back and pay for your taxes and with your money. And this place was super far away, like in the south, south, south of the city. So I had to pay for the trip and go again when I got off work. So oh. I learned my lessons. <laughs> It was cool. He was a cool boss. He was pushing me, um, but in a good way. Mm -hmm. He never was like really exploding me or anything. He really, he really saw something in me. And this was very... This is, I think this is what every artist needs, just, like, we cannot do anything on our own, like, like we can, what we can do is, is the start, mm -hmm. like I did, like, taking pictures of whatever you have around, and then, if you really work, and you really want something, then this person is gonna find you, and, you know, he found me, and he gave me this chance, and everybody in the office was, was talking about me, and they were like, well, she's so weird, and, But he was like, shut up, she's great, and whatever, and he was always there for me, and he was like, oh, I have to say this again, at the fucking thing, because they are saying that a uh, uterus weird, and what we want, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to dress any differently, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, no, I'm sure, just keep with the hard work, because this is what shut their mouth, mm -hmm. yeah, sure, I will do that. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, really, it's what you said was important, you know, and I think it's, important when you have a mentor he saw the talent in you and he made you accountable to reach the certain level of talent that you have to to shut all of your co-workers mouth and when you made your work when you didn't deliver with that same passion it showed in your work so I think that's a great advice for any young um, photographer who wants to work in the print industry or as a freelancer like if you don't work with passion it shows right away and 
I think that's like an important lesson that many people don't really take into account when they're in the industry and when they're working. So after this, you know, I know that your mentor, you really wanted to work here in, in the, in those magazines and, you know, be promoted, but he was the one that said, Sandra, you need to be free. You need to go out to the world and just develop your voice, develop your, your skills as a photographer. Don't like, how was that moment like when he, you know, pushed you to grow? Um, I think I was kind of mad because things were not getting to where I wanted it was this promotion and I really needed to to move to the city mm-hmm. so I was really frustrated because I didn't want to be in Estado de Mexico anymore and this is why I needed more money because I couldn't afford a friend so I think I started to to not be there really like arriving late and leaving early and I was really not enjoying the work anymore the good thing about this this work, of course, is that I got to eat in the best places every time, and like I was living like a kind of fancy life, and I could see my magazines everywhere. You know, this feeling of going to the supermarket and open a magazine, and my pictures were there. Mm-hmm. I had full pages, so it was hard. But yeah, when the time came, like to see if I had to stay or not, he talked to me, and he was like, "You know what? I am not gonna let you sign contract again." Because I was signing contract every six months of every year. Mm-hmm. I was hired for only six months every time. So I am not going to renew the contract because you need to go. And I was like, what? No, I don't want to go. You said I was going to grow here and that I was going to build a career in here. And I was like, no, this is not made for you. You are you are dying on the inside and you cannot you cannot even tell because... You has you you have um, been like this all your life, like in school and everything. But yeah, in fact, I hate school. I never enjoyed school, and I don't like routines. And yes, I was kind of dying on the inside. So he was like, "You just need to go. If I could, I I would go, but I can't because I have two kids and I cannot do that. So I am giving you the the option of leaving." And I was like, "Okay." It was also my birthday. It was very hard. And I imagine being, I myself was let go from a job in Mexico. The media company closed down. But being said that by by your mentor, by the person that pushed you, I, I imagine that at that time you kind of didn't understand the reason, especially on your birthday. But now looking back, what do you, what do you take from it? I think it was the right thing to do. I think he was really caring for me. He mm-hmm. didn't make it too to harm me or anything. All the all the opposite. I think he did good. I think he did this from a place of real caring and love. And and I'm happy. I like my. You know, I don't. I make a lot of money. It's very hard, but I get to pay my rent and eat. And I don't have to have a side job. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with side jobs. I respect a lot the people who, who works their passion and who has another job to pay for for the stuff that, that you need. Because, yes, this is expensive. And painting, you need paints and, and photography. I use, I, was, I use film, so I need film, you know. And mm-hmm. you need to... Sometimes I think if I had more money, I could buy things for building a set and doing my art. So, yeah. If you have a side job, that works. But for me, you know, routine is the thing that really 
really feels like killing me and I know this since since I was a kid so I think he saw this and I think he he really wanted to to set me free in a way and I feel like I I am pretty free right now like I I take the gigs that not the ones that I like sometimes I do work I don't like of course but I get to have that freedom of of living my life or trying to like chasing the clients I want, you know, and so long it has been working like this. I have mm -hmm. never took another steady job since then. And once, so share with us after you didn't sign that contract and you were unemployed, how were, how were those first months after being unemployed And you starting to take photos, you starting to looking for gigs, and just putting yourself out there to work and to create. How was it like? It was very hard because I was using work's camera. <laughs> because as I told you, I had this Sony Alpha, but this is not like a professional, it's like a semi-professional. And when I got to the to the company, they were like, oh, so here's your equipment, and they gave me a Canon that was kind of old, but mm -hmm. was working perfectly for me, and and I was and, and I was using it for everything. Like like even though I, I was working at the food thing, I kept on taking pictures of my friends because I wanted to become a fashion photographer. This was like my dream. Mm -hmm. um, this is what I wanted. So I need. I needed to practice. So I took the camera every weekend and I was taking pictures of whatever. And so when I left work, I had to leave the camera, of course. So I was unemployed and without camera and facing the world because school was over too. And I wanted to leave uh, in Mexico. I really, 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 really wanted to leave. So I had this girlfriend at the time and I was staying a lot with her in downtown where she used to live. And I was really started starting to, to live this life I wanted, so I, I really needed to get out. So I went to my dad, and I was like, Dad, I don't have a camera, so you need to, 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 to let me use your credit card to buy one, and I will be paying month by month. I remember very well, it was 27,000 pesos, and he did. He, <laughs> we, went, we went and we picked the camera, and... And that's the camera I use still. <laughs> that's my camera. It's yeah. a Canon 7D. And, and then, okay, I had the camera, so now I needed to get to work. And I don't know, I guess social media has been my, my way since, since I started. Because I was looking at Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, looking for brands or whatever, and I found this Instagram from a, from a, brand that is called Mascara de Latex and they sell t-shirts. They sell, they sell like superhero t-shirts, mm -hmm. like for geeky, geeky kids. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this works. This is kind of like the suicide girl stuff, like, like these girls usually wear. And I, and I used to like superheroes a lot. <laughs> so I went to the guy and I was like, hey, I, um, y 
And during these two years, you know, you it wasn't the dream, right? You wanted to be a fashion photographer, and uh. but what were you know looking back? What were the highlights and you know the skills that you developed while doing this for the for two years? Because you obviously had to be proactive, right? And like contacting per- people and like obviously continuing to take photos of your friends, but you know. For our listeners that find themselves in this moment of their life, what do you recommend or what do you advise them that you know you have taken on? I don't know. I think, of course, I needed more clients. So I, I wanted to keep on going with the food. So I started looking for restaurants. And it was easy because of the TripAdvisor page. But now, for example, that is down and it's not a tool anymore. So tools changes too. For me, it has been kind of hard right now in the food industry because because of that. Because I don't know very well how to contact them and it's hard because I don't have a PR. I don't mm-hmm. have an agency. I have never had. So it's always been me. And you know, it's hard. It's hard. I, I find myself right now at this point where... I really don't know how to how to manage this, or I don't know if I have a good advice. Because, for example, my my girlfriend currently um, she owns a tattoo studio because she's a tattoo artist, and she has a a team like 11, 11 people is working there with her every day, and they see each other and they they feedback to each other. But I now I can see in myself that I don't have that. And I have never had, and it's always been me, and I am my team. Mm-hmm. So I have to contact the clients and work the pictures and post-produce the pictures and deliver the pictures and ask for the payment. And it's hard, I don't know. Um, just like... You self-manage. Yes. I think that's uh, something that a lot of artists are doing mm-hmm. because... If you want to to publish a fanzine, or if you want to publish a book, or if you want to do a show, most of the time it has to be up to festival. Like you need to do it yourself because what else are we gonna do? And this is what I see around me with my other friends that are artists. For example, last year was the first time I ever went to Europe, and I made my fanzine. I just did like a few copies to live around there. I went to Berlin, I went to Paris, so I wanted to leave my my work around. And you know, you just have to do it. The the one of the two books I have worked for is a hundred percent Mexican book made by the author and the the author did everything, right? Yeah. The recipe, the design she took it to the fucking print, you know, like, like in a lot of cases, it's just like you need to work with yourself and you have to to know how to work with a team too because even though I am most of the time on my own, whenever I had to, to go to a big, big shooting or to a big production, I know I have to have a team. So you also have to look for people that is doing things that you like or the people that makes you feel like you belong in there and you can express yourself mm-hmm. and you can create together. Like this is the most important thing. Whenever you know, you are not on your own, try to find 
a good crew but when you need them yeah and that really resonates with myself because you know i'm, I'm the one that's doing the podcast alone yes. i'm the one that's you know reaching out to guests um editing and i just can imagine i can imagine you you know like reaching out to artists reaching out to people to like hey i can take your photos and even though it's only you I feel like your team, in a way, is the person that you're taking photos with or the person that wants to have their product being taken, right? So you having to collaborate with these people and having their vision, but your voice also being present in these photos. How is it like um, working with talent, you know, for our listeners that are interested? Like, what do you recommend? How do you find that balance of both of you being happy with the result of the work? Well, whenever I have to work, yes, with like a model or someone that is in front of me, musician, whoever. Well, even in parties, because you know, in parties I have to go with people and say like, hey, can I take your picture? Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is every time I'm a, I am taking pictures of a human being. Well, I always try to be respectful and I, will, I always try to make them feel like they're safe. Because I know there's a lot of abusive photographers out there, men, of course, and I, I always, you know, the same things, the same thing that happens to me when I have to hook up with girls, <laughs> that that I never want to be disrespectful and I never want to be this guy that comes and is like, okay, so I am very bad at, at you know, at this. And this is the same with pictures because I, I never want to be this photographer that is like like a creep. So I always try to be super chill and I always... I do think I make people look good because I want them to look good. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's very hard to direct people or make them do what you want. For example, my dearest queen, Semoa. Yes. She's very, she's very hard to, 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 to be told what to do. But sometimes it's like whenever or whoever it is, it's like just listen to me because I want you to make good, to make, to to make you feel good and look good. So if I am telling you to do this, it's for your good. So yeah. listen to me. And this has this has worked. I have never had any complaints, and people is always like, "Oh, it felt super good." Or people that has their pictures taken for the day for the first time, they're like, "Oh, you made me feel super good." And I guess it's just like like making people feel safe, yeah. Because you are you are getting intimate with them, even if it's one picture at the club. You are sharing that time with them, mm-hmm. so. If it's not special, it doesn't have to be special. Make it respectful, you know, like, mm-hmm. and and make them feel okay. And people looks better when they feel okay. So win, win, win. And it's good that you mentioned those photos with Samoa, who Samoa was on Ajax, and we did talk about her appearance of being the main singer on the forty first um, Pride Parade in Mexico City. And can you share with us? The moment of, you know, you approaching her and saying, you're going to be, you know, like, this is an honor. Like, you accomplished this. We need to celebrate through photos. How was that, you know, celebration, like, those photos? Because for our listeners who have no idea, and if you haven't listened to Samoa's episode, I highly recommend you listen to that episode because Samoa explains more of that. But 
Um, Sandra and Samoa took photos in downtown Mexico City in El Zócalo. And Samoa is dressed with beautiful clothes. And in one of the photos, she has the pride flag, you know, up, open. And you can see soldiers walking around the downtown. You can see, you know, everyone, you know, who's in downtown surrounded by Samoa. And it's, it was just, it's, there's, it's so, so beautiful photos. So empowering photos and really it, 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 I think it like, it's part of like our Mexican history, part of the queer history in Mexico. And can you share with us, you know, the moment of creating those photos of being appearing on Rolling Stone Mexico. How was that like? Yeah, this is a, this is a great story. Um, I'm going to start since the very beginning. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> well, I used to admire, I admire her still, um, but when I didn't, we, we were not close. I was growing up in the state of Mexico and whatever, and I was looking to YouTube. I found someone and I was like, whoa, I love her. And me and my best friends were like, wow, she rocks, she's amazing, whatever. And I started seeing her at parties when I was working at the magazine because I used to go to some fancy parties, lounges of drinks or whatever, and she was sometimes there. And I was looking at her like, and she never spoke to me, and she was just walking like the queen she is, you know. Yeah. Like, shit, when? And one time it was my birthday again, and she was at the place. I was, We were at a traición party, and I'm sure some of the people is familiar with this party, traición. I was I was celebrating my, my birthday at, 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 at traición. I think it was 2017. And, and Samoa was there, and I was just standing there, and she approached me, and she looked at me, like, from the top to, to the feet, and she and she said, ¿Qué perra, tú quién eres? <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, uh, what a bitch. Like, Who are you? <laughs> like, uh -huh. and I was like, oh, finally. And I was like, yeah, that. And then she sang Happy Birthday to me on the piano. Aww. And we became very good friends. So ever since we have been very good friends, and this time she she texted me. Sometimes she sings to me. She she's an amazing friend. Uh, she texted me and she was like, um, I'm so like it's whatever you know. So I am singing at Socalo in the in the Pride thing, and ah, oh, the flyer is awful. So do you think we could take some pictures and uh, so so I can announce it and. So it can be cute. And I was like, dude, are you telling me you're going to sing in the fucking soccer in front of everyone? Like, are you aware you're going to be the first trans woman to do this yeah. in this country? And she was like, yeah, I know. It's kind of a big deal. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so let's do something big. Let's, let's, let's do something. And, and she was like, okay, meet you on Sunday. So it was a Sunday and I arrived to her place and we, we did the three loop. We put together three looks um, together, and she was like, "So let's just do it here in my house." And I was like, "Dude, no! You're, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take the fucking socalo since today because it's yours. It's yours, queen. So take it from right now." She was like, "What? But this is like a like a see-through body, and this is like a thong." And I was like, "Fuck it! Everybody's gonna see you anyway. So let's go." And we went to Socalo on a Sunday. That is when all the families are having fun and, and 
it was a very sunny day. I remember the heat. It was super fucking sunny. And Samoa was getting dressed in the middle of Socalo, changing the clothes. And it was very fun. At some point, they lowered the flag. I don't know these things they do, but they do something with the flag every day. And it was this time. And the, the, mili the militars? Yeah, the military was there? The military, uh -huh. This is... Uh, who, who makes these things. So it was full of, of soldiers. And we saw them and we were like, you should, we should take a picture there. And I was like, Samuel, we're gonna get arrested for this for Faltas a la Moral or something. So, and she was like, fuck it. And we went to the, to the thing and we had the pictures taken. And then she approached Rolling Stones and she, she wrote a beautiful essay Everybody should read. Yes. And this is how we launched the pictures. Beautiful. Yeah. And I'll link that article up. Samoa's episode is episode 14. So after you finish Sandra's episode, please listen to Samoa and listen to her music and check out the essay, check out these photos because they are stunning. And, you know, obviously you've always taken photos of your friend. Samoa is a friend. And throughout your career, I think I've said this to you before, but I feel like you are the pioneer of this current movement of this photography style, which is amazing. And I find it's really, it took forever, but this photos of Latina, being proud Latinos, you know, Mexican pride and kind of straying away from that white Mexican editorial look. And I feel like you were the first, like one of the first photographers in Mexico that was doing this. And you were doing this because you're friends, you know, you, you love your friends and you take photos of your friends. So can you, sh I know it's always, always been forever since your career doing this, but can you share those moments of just being with your friends and parties and just taking photos because you thought they were amazing and not following a trend or anything yes this is a this is a time I remember with a lot of love and I think I cherish it maybe when I am older I'm, this is going to be like my favorite time I think <laughs> because it was so good um, so I was arriving to Mexico City with this girl I was living with and I really didn't know anything about anything. I, I think I, I was uh, a racist, sexist, and all the wrong, like the things that you are when, when you grow up in a fucked up place. And I didn't even knew. So when I started hanging out with her, she was like, this is wrong. Uh, you have to change your mind. And, and, and so I started to, to get to meet people that changed my mind and made me really see what was happening in the world and, and the hidden truth that I was not allowed to see when I was living there because nobody talks to you about these things. They just talk to you about the shitty things. Mm -hmm. And I also, when I was young, my first relationship was a very abusive relationship with a man where he used to hit me and it was, it was horrible. I got out alive, which is good. Um, and yeah, so I was this, this 
this broken this broken person because this is what the Estado de México did to me. It is hard. But sometimes the places where we come from they say a lot about us. This is why I wanted to live so desperately because I I didn't recognize myself in there. So I started living with this girl and she was super like into I don't know how to, to call it, into cool stuff, like being being more being more awake and and trying to, to you know, to wake up. Mm-hmm. So I slowly became a feminist, I related with the word queer, with the word, um, with it, with concepts like uh, body shaming, slut shaming, um, body positive. When, when I got to the city, there was a wave of people from, from another places of the world coming to Mexico, but especially from the States. And I, and I started hanging out with this, with this amazing friend from San Francisco. Her name is Kat. And she was one of the first persons to start talking to me about these kind of things. And I saw there, there was stuff out there that was worth, you know, like talking about, mm-hmm. like being queer. Uh, because I, I, I think I came out in high school, but it was, it was super hard, sorry, because, um, Nobody was out. There was one gay guy, and he was the gay guy, mm-hmm. you know, from all high school, the gay guy. And he was labeled as the gay guy. So I, I, I remember very well, there, there was a couple of girls, and I and they got, they got, how do you say, expulsado. They got, they got expelled because of their sexuality? Yes. Yes, in my high school. In Satellite. My, my high school was in Satellite. Another place in the Estado de Mexico. Mm-hmm. They got, yes, they kicked them out for being together. And I was like, shit. But I was super in love with a girl and she knew and mostly everybody knew. <laughs> and at prom, one, this is another thing, but this cool. At, at prom in high school, one of the hottest girls in high school that, that she was so beautiful, man. She was like an angel. And she approached me and she gave me a kiss in front of all the guys from high school. And she was like, I really like you. And I was like, what? And yeah, that was cool. (laughs) I think because she knew that I like girls or whatever. Of course, she never did anything else, but that was super cool. But yeah, it was hard being whoever you were. Mm -hmm. Also, I have never fit in the stereotype of beauty. I am fat. And I have been always been like this. So kids really did it hard for me growing up. Because this this is how people is in there. And this is how kids are. But in general, in, in the state of Mexico, it's hard. Mm-hmm. So I came here and I started learning about all these things. And I started feeling better. I have come a lot to the city when I was a teenage too. Because I was kind of a god or anything, and I came to the clubs to dance and to El Chopo, that is a big market for punks and mm-hmm. everything. So I had I had a connection with the city, and I wanted to be here because all my cool friends were here, my, my friends from El Chopo and all that shit. And then um, when I started school, I stopped hanging out with people from here. So yeah, and I was with this guy that was violent, so that was a, a really huge break for me in my life. So when I got back and I started 
I was like, this is, my mind was like exploding, you know, I was like, where have I been? I have a lot of things to do because I haven't done any of this. And now I, you know, this constant feeling of you are losing time, mm-hmm. you are wasting time. I had this feeling and I was like, I need to tell this story because this is, this is amazing. This people is amazing. And these parties are amazing. This, this girl, uh, I was with, she took me to a Nafi party. Uh, I think it was Halloween, maybe. It was a, a Nafi party and I, and I was there and I was like, this is the coolest party. Uh, and, and I was asking her every weekend, is there going to be another party? And she was like, no, this is not every weekend, this is something they do. And she was like, really just like making me cool or whatever. Because I was weird, but I was not cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I started to, to, to be myself, finally, to mm-hmm. fit with a group of misfits that were just like me and artists and, and I met Alan, Alan Baltasar, this uh, iconic, iconic um, person in Mexico City. Um, he was taking pictures too. Um, Alan, Alan died uh, like two years ago, I believe, in September, before the earthquake in Mexico City. A few, few days before that, I believe. Um, this was very hard for me, and for a lot of people. Um, but Alan was a great inspiration for me because he was also taking pictures, and I think he was like just stunning. When I met him, I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> wow!" Um, so I was starting this project where I was documenting my life with. With with the with this girlfriend I had mm-hmm. for a for a seminary of um, how do you say it? Uh, fine arts fine arts photography I was taking the the only thing I took for photography was this seminary very very after I, I finished school like four years before um, after and when we had to the project. Um, and I was developing this project where I was like telling my story through taking pictures of her and our everyday. Because as I told you, she lived in downtown, so I went to live with her and I was living in downtown. And downtown has always been my favorite part of the city, so I was like living a dream. I was in love, I was living in the city, I was freelance, I had new friends, everything was exciting. And yeah, so I started taking my camera everywhere for the for the for the seminary for the final whatever, and and I started going to a lot of parties, and I also discovered like this constant use of drugs, and and that that was that was how how it began. Like I I really had this need to to tell what was happening because I also felt like all these people are are gonna be someone important someday and mm-hmm. they are so great that that people is gonna is gonna be interested in how their early work was and how our lives were and we made a we made a, a how do you say a movie 
Please tell me so I can share it here on Vegas. And oh, that's amazing to hear. You know, like um, I had, I didn't know Alan personally, but I knew of his work, of his photos. You know, he was amazing and super talented. And just knowing that he's in a movie, and then like, wow, that's so inspired. Like that really made my yeah. day. Right yeah, yeah. This, this is very good. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I got a call from Adrian telling that he has the final. The final thing, um, we are searching for Damien because we don't have news about him. Um, but whenever I think, whenever he answers, this is gonna be this is gonna be seen. Oh, so <laughs> um, I'm so nervous. Um, but it's cool because I wrote the lines that I say, for example, like my dialogues, and this is we something we did together as friends, and and. And yeah, Alan, Alan was a huge inspiration for me when I started taking pictures because I found his, his Tumblr page that is still up. I'm sure if you Google Alan Baltasar Tumblr, you can see his pictures. Please do. Yes. Because he, he was telling the story uh, along with the, the few people that, that we were doing that. I think he was one of of the of the first and he was just doing it like for fun you know he always had this disposable camera he never said he was a photographer even though he was a great photographer um but i think people was were, were starting to notice because he he was the first photographer for traición he was t taking the pictures for traición so i think in traición instagram you can see some of his pictures too but yeah well returning to that this is how how things happened yeah you creating with your friends because you know you find this co like common love and just feeling accepted by each other and loved by each other it's a safe space and it's amazing to hear that not only have you everyone created you know work amazing work from it but like now you have this movie that's coming out and i also want to say you know thank you for sharing that and of you know, of telling you, of telling us that you suffered from, you know, partner violence with your previous um, boyfriend, and I'm so sorry to, you know, hear that you went through that, and that's something that's unfortunately very common in state of Mexico. It's Mexico suffers from feminicides, especially state of Mexico. It's like the number one state that suffers from feminicides, and. You know, recently, a few days earlier this week, we're recording this episode in November. Um, there was a big 
protests in Mexico City where women, you know, protested against the violence against um, ourselves. And it's, it's really, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to take yourself from that violent situation, that violent circle that you were, and then that you fully were yourself with this relation, this new relationship and with your passion for photography. I feel like not only did this, did your ex-girlfriend like help you be yourself, but I think also photography, your passion for it really made you love who you are and what you do best, you know? So now for our listeners, you know, your photos are about, when I see them, I feel empowered because they're mostly women. They're mostly from the queer community in Mexico. You really, I, I feel like I, I can definitely see that. Like you yourself feel empowered and you, t- you transmit that to your models, to the people that you take photos of, you know, you create that safe space. So can you share those now, those biggest, biggest highlights of, you know, you, you, you recently took photos of, um, John Waters. And that was also through because, you know, your friends have known because of your work and they knew you were the best person to do that. How was that like, you know, taking, following John Waters around in Mexico city and taking his photos? It's an honor. I think it's his first time being in Mexico city and it would be great for him to visit more, but maybe it might be his last. How was that day like? (laughs) Wow. Um, I'm glad you bring this, uh, up. Yes, I feel so honored and I feel so, so happy this happened. Of course, um, as I told you, I, I have always been like like kind of a weirdo. Like I told you, I was like a, a, a goth teenager and I knew I was I was queer. So, of course, June, June Waters was a major influence. Like divine, of course, is my goddess. And this has been since I'm 15. Mm-hmm. So... Whenever I heard John Waters was coming, I was like, "Shit, I need to, I need to be there. I don't know how, but I need to be there." So, I really wanted to be, to be the person who was taking his pictures, and and I felt I could do it very well because, um, you know, uh, you just said that something that. That I I don't know how to say it. Like when I start taking pictures of my friends, I also developed this this ability to 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 take pictures of people when they're they where they cannot tell I am there. Mm-hmm. I like this part, like like more the more more telling a story than than making people just do stuff for me. I like to tell stories whenever, since I, since I was taking pictures of my friends in the state of Mexico, I was trying to tell stories. So this is one of the parts that I like the most to tell stories. So I was like, I want to tell this story of your water in here. So, oh, here she comes again, c'est moi. <laughs> I, I was asking a lot of friends for the contact for Sinetonala. And c'est moi was the one that came through my girl. <laughs> And and I got to know Juanpi, that that is uh, um, the, the guy that is 
that was in charge and that is in charge in, of Cinetonala and he was amazing. I I was like, so I do this, this is my work, this is what I have been taking pictures of for this year, so for me, I think it would be, like, I am perfect to do this. And he was like, oh, you know what, yes, you are, so let's do it. So they had they had a few activities planned with John because he was only seven to 72 hours here in Mexico. So it was like going to the museum to see the Kunz and Dusham show that is, I think it's not there anymore, but that was uh, at Humex Museum. So this is the first time I saw him. And we went to the museum to see the show. And I must say he's an amazing person. He's super sweet. He's like a hundredth <laughs> person. And... It was it was great it was great like I, I have not much to say but so yeah um, and aside from that uh, there was a party that was about young water's team so I got to take the pictures for the party too this party is called Travestia mm-hmm. it's amazing I have taken the pictures for the last two parties and all over it was a great 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 experience. And were you able to talk with John Waters while you were with him? Because I know you say that you love to take photos of them while they're not noticing that you're taking photos of them. But, like, were you able to have, like, a conversation with him? Did he, did he give you some advice? Yeah, we had a, we had a lot of moments to, to chat. But I was mostly asking him, I don't know, stuff about his life, mm-hmm. how, how are his routines, and he, he talks about divine a lot, mm-hmm. like, on a regular basis. Like, I think he really misses his best friend. Yeah. And he mentions divine a lot. And she and he likes to talk a lot about when they were young and what they were doing. And he likes to talk business a lot, like, the movie business. And I think he he's, he's great. He has a lot to say. He's funny. He's funny all the time. He's always in this super chill, fun vibes, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I learned a lot of him, he, he, he's, he's amazing, That's he didn't crazy. give me any advice itself, but uh-huh. I think I, I learned a lot those days. That's good, that's great to hear, and I, and I feel like, you know, this year has been such a great year from what I've seen, you know, um, not only have you taken photos of, you know, Samoa, of John Waters, but you recently had a editorial photography with Carla Fernandez, one of our talented fashion designers in Mexico. And when you told me about this collaboration, I thought it was perfect because, you know, you both are passionate and proud of our Mexican heritage, of our culture, of our, you know, roots and I just, you know, it, it's such a perfect collaboration between you two. So, you know, that was taken recently. How was that like, you know, being contact? How did she contact you? Did you contact her? Or how was it like? And how was that collaboration with, did she fully trust you on your vision? Or was it mostly you both being working on the same page? Well, as I was telling you before, my dream when I was starting this career was to be a, a fashion photographer. So 
my relationship with fashion has been always weird. Mm-hmm. Because you know how people love to bully and whatever. Some of the comments I have received in my early times as a photographer is that I was not doing fashion, that my models were not models, and that I I didn't have the the like the means is mm-hmm. that way is it like the means to do something like los medios like like I didn't have the the cool stuff to do fashion you know how this this industry is very harsh yeah um so my relationship with fashion was broken I see and and it made me sad because it made me feel like I was I was not doing it right so I suffered for this a lot of years mm-hmm. until I decided to fuck it. Like, I don't need these Russian models and the white, tall, blonde girl that is skinny as hell with the, you know, like, Gucci dress. Of course I would like that, the Gucci dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course I see those productions and I feel they're beautiful. And of course I would love both Italy to send me to fucking Cuba to do something or whatever but but I also learned that I could do my own fashion as I was doing when I when I started. Mm-hmm. So I used to stop looking for it and I started to do my own thing and turned out that my own thing was good and and was liking. So yeah, this Carla called me. I was Chilling in my house, and I got a call, and I answered, and she was like, "Hello, Sandra, yes. Oh, hey, I am Carla Fernandez." And I was like, "What?" And she was like, "Yeah, I, I am calling you because I wanted to, to take the pictures for my 2020 campaign. Would you like that?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> that would be great." And uh, and then I went to meet her to her downtown, um, how do you say, taller studio, yeah, uh, that is very beautiful. And we were chatting, and she told me that this this new upcoming collection is called Diosas, that is goddesses, and it's inspired in the Mexica goddesses. And this is why she picked me, because of my work with women mm-hmm. and how I how I have been doing this. And she's the sweetest person, best client. And she's super open about the artist she's working with because she's showed me previous collections that have been photographed and she talked me she talked to me about each shooting, like experiences and she has worked with um Napoleona Beika, and uh, Graciela Iturbide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, it's an honor to be part of this, this, this artist. She, 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 she chose, like, big, I don't know how. Um, and she was super open. We planned them together. Of course, the looks were provided by her. <laughs> and we had the, you know what, what, what I was telling you before, a great team. She asked me for advice in 
styling, like she wanted to do some big hair pieces for the goddesses, and she was like, I don't know who can do it, uh, and I have a good friend that that does amazing her work, uh, her name in, on Instagram is Interdimensional Life, her name is Mariana, and I was like, I think Mariana can do this, yeah. so she pitched out for Mariana, and Mariana ended up doing the amazing hair pieces you're going to see when this drops. And I think it was just teamwork, and it turned out amazing. Also, while well, talking about fashion, the December issue for Broccoli Magazine has an editorial also that I made. Well, I took the pictures, and we made with Le Jesus, that is a Mexican brand that is currently selling at opening ceremony. And we did beautiful, beautiful pictures. So if you have the chance to get a broccoli mag this this November, get it because it's super cute. <laughs> yes, I will. I'm gonna search for it. And it's such it's great to hear that when you said fuck it to the Mexican fashion industry and you continue to do your own you created your own path. You know, these opportunities came about, you know, and they chose you because of the work that you've been doing for so many years. And I think that's something that we need to constantly remind ourselves, you know, we're maybe stuck on a certain destination, a certain uh, level that we need to reach that we kind of forget how other paths can take us to that same spot. And, you know, you, you've always been doing this, like this type of photography. And it's very true of, you know, just photographing your friends who maybe before weren't considered quote unquote models. But I feel like now we see a lot of being these just normal people like, like, like you and I, like they're being photographed and they are considered beautiful. They are considered, you know, like, normal human beings and I think that's that's amazing and I I want to now come to talk about your second book I know you weren't the one that wrote it but you did photograph the food about weed butler a step-by-step guide to becoming a canna butler how was that like um can you share with our listeners the whole process because obviously food photography has been in your your career in for many years so how was that transition of not only food photography but also of um cannabis and like putting in weed and making that whole to that those two elements together in fact one of the one of my first friends that taught me a lot of valuable stuff when I came to the city, is Menlin. Mm-hmm. She is the writer, the author of this Ghana Butter book. Um, we have been good friends, and Menlin has always been passionate and dedicated to cannabis uh, somewhere or, or another. I am myself a cannabis user, so I am very connected to, to this topic too. And... She just reached for me because she knew my background in food photography. We were roommates for a while in downtown, too, in another apartment. Um, 
so when she got this project, she reached out to me and she was like, oh, so I got us a gig. I am doing this. And I was like, oh, girl, this is amazing. So we just did the pictures like I did on my first book, just her and I. She was cooking and putting the dishes together and we were taking pictures for like four days straight. And that's how it happened. <laughs> it was fun. That's great. And, you know, I want to talk more of, of if your, you know, relationship that you were and you unfortunately suffered through violence with your ex-boyfriend and maybe our listeners, I, maybe some listeners are going through violence with their partner and they don't know how to escape from that and you yourself were able to leave that relationship can you share maybe some words of advice that you would want them to listen to if they find themselves in that current situation yeah well it's never easy i think abusers got you from your from the things that hurt you, from your deepest sadness. And they crawl into that to make you suffer. And what, at least what happened to me is that at some point, I didn't even recognize myself. Like I was completely broken. So I was feeling like I was worthless because this is what he was telling me constantly. I think he was jealous of my potential because he saw how I was growing and how I was working at the magazine and how I was at school. And he didn't have any of this. He was, he's a guy that didn't go to school and, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think he approached from, from the things that hurt me until I became a thing. And I get that. It's just that I also knew. And I couldn't tell my mom and dad I don't know why, because my dad would have probably killed him. <laughs> I don't know. He would be so mad, you know. So I never said anything but to my friends, and I, all my friends were like, oh, I don't want to hear about this anymore, because you always say the same, that you are there. And, you know, it was very hard. It was very hard to, to leave. But, you know, in the end, I am glad I did, because... I wouldn't probably be here mm-hmm. if I if I hadn't because one time he he threw me out of the stairs and I could have died, you know, like mm-hmm. easily. So I think a lot of the women that die is is so and it's just because you know like, you can die so easily. Yes. You can die from falling to the back and hit your head. Maybe he, he didn't quote, like, you know, like, for me, yeah, maybe he didn't want you to, to die, but you die. Yes. You know, like, oh, it was, okay, you, you mean it or not, she's dead. Mm-hmm. So, it's so easy. So, if you are really in this position, you need to think about your life and just leave your friends they are tired because you're suffering and they are tired because you put yourself in that 
in that position, but I also get how hard it is to go because you're broken and you cannot pick up yourself and just go. It's not that easy, but I'm glad I did because because I am who I am now and and that's that's the most important thing to to be free. Yes. So just pull up strength. You don't need no one else. You just need yourself. I did it myself one day, mm-hmm. you know, like just one day, and I never came back. Yeah. So just find the strength. It's hard. It's fucking hard. Yes. You can do anything. Yes, and you know, again, I'm so sorry to hear that you went through that, and thank you for sharing with us. And I'm so glad that you found that strength, that you pulled that strength in yourself to leave and that now you're fully living, you yourself are in a loving relationship with your girlfriend and you're creating, you're surrounded by your friends that not only inspire you, but I think they also support you in such a great way and it's great to see that you're continuing to thrive, to continue to work and learning and thank you. And then it's, 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 thank you for being here and thank you for sharing this. And I, I always love to close um, my episodes with two questions. You know, if the first one, what do you, what can you rec- um, share with our listeners who want to be freelance photographers? It's not an easy path. You know, they're going to find themselves with a lot of obstacles, with a lot of challenges, you know, and, but what do you recommend for them to take on that you would have wanted to know when you were younger, when you decided to take this path? What can you share to them? I think it's important to remember not to please, to try to please anyone. I think... This is one of the mistakes I have made, trying to to please people that really don't care or trying to feed in places that I know that are toxic or whatever, just to be somewhere, you know, like, or, or like just remember to be true to yourself because if you try to please the other people, like you're not being true and when you're not true it shows and when you're true it shows so I think when you're doing stuff for yourself it's great and it's gonna it's gonna like because it's the purest thing you can do mm-hmm. like what you like so it's it's a bummer sometimes yes <laughs> but also whenever something great happens to you it feels so good because you have worked towards it and also well remember to not to trust everybody mm-hmm. be careful because people is mean and there's a lot of bad people outside bad clients clients who are not gonna pay you and you're gonna work and just be very smart on who who surrounds you who you talk your projects mm-hmm. to you tell your things, your achievements, your fears, because people can take advantage of that. So, lose lips, sink ships. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And before I give my last question, I also wanted 
um, for for us to talk about, you know, your father who gave you your first camera, unfortunately, he's going through health problems. And you write, you with your mother are opening a donation and you're accepting donations. So can you share with our listener, listeners, you know, um, where can we donate? Where can we help you um, raise money um, so he can have the proper medication, the proper treatment? Where can our listeners find that? Yes, uh, thank you for bringing this up. Yeah, well, a couple of months ago, my father was diagnosed with nose cancer. Um, So, yeah, our lives changed. And this has been very, very, very tough and very rough. Because even though, as I told you, my life was hard growing up, it was always because of someone else, never because of my family. In mm-hmm. fact, my family has been my motor and my everything because they are amazing. They have had my back. They accept me for who I am. They know who I am. So I want to help my father as he has helped me forever. And, yeah, um, we are... Uh, we are launching this Donadora campaign. I think there are four ways you can you can do a donation. I don't really know them, but in the link is all the all the info, and everything is gonna be well received and well used because yeah, having cancer is super expensive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, help us out. <laughs> yes, and I will link that. So if you are interested in donating to Sandra's father, please do so. I'll have that link up. And thank you. And I hope, you know, um, you know, your father gets well. And before, you know, our last que- my last question and to close, if you have the opportunity to talk with little Sandra, you know, you have her in front of you, what would you say to her? I think I would say that that it's important to to not listen to the other people and to love yourself mm-hmm. no matter what. I think kids these days need to be taught to love themselves more than anything, especially girls. Because this is a toxic world with toxic masculinity everywhere. And I think the, the greatest act of revolution these days is to love ourselves. Because this is what, what they don't want us to do. And I think that just be, sounds super cheesy, but believe in yourself. I think, if, I think if I have been told this... And, and really reminded these of these da, 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 every day, maybe, I don't know, I, I, it, things would have been different for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is what I say to any kid, not just me. Yeah, and I feel like you can say this to yourself, and I think, I'm, I'm going to say to you, you know, you, you are amazing. You are such an amazing photographer, talented photographer. I love your work, and, you know, the things that you've accomplished throughout your 29 years of life are inspiring. And 
I can't wait to see what you can, what you're going to do the next year and the following year. So please never stop. And just thank you for your work. Thank you for this, you know, sharing your journey, your story. And I'm just really honored to know you and just having this conversation with you. Thank you, Sandra. Oh, thank you very much for having me and for listening to me. You can find me at my Instagram, that is Sandra Blow Photo. Also, I have a personal one where I share my regular life. It's Diva Virtual, but instead of A, it's the number four. <laughs> um, like Don Omar song. <laughs> and yeah, that um, I'm very open to to answering messages, so whenever it writes me, I try to, to get back. So, yeah, reach me out, and thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you, and please follow uh, Sandra. You know, if you have any questions for her, reach out. She's amazing. She, you know, gets back to you. And if you find yourself in Mexico and you need a visionary photographer, hire her, you know? She is great. And thank you for listening to another episode of Ellas. You can follow Ellas on Instagram. That is E-L-L-A-S, the podcast. Or you can send me an email if you want to be here a guest on Ellas. You can share your story with me. And you can send that email to aspodcast at gmail.com. That is E-L-L-A-S, the podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me at Brent underscore hi. That's B-R-E-N underscore J-A-I. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you find the inspiration, the motivation to continue on your own path. And you can listen to another new episode in two weeks. Gracias. Bye-bye. If you've been listening to AS for a while, you know that I'm a big supporter of providing a platform for Latinas to share their stories and inspire current and future generations of women. With that said, I'm looking to get this podcast into the lives of more amazing Latinas just like you. You can help by going to Apple Podcast and write a review. Tell me what you think and leave any number of stars. It would mean the world to me. Thank you in advance. Ellas is produced, hosted, and edited by me, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes. And thank you to Shro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Streets. You can download this track on freemusic.org or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, and follow him on Instagram. This is Ellas.